dear church family and beloved, this evening we carry on with our Bible study series on the life of Joseph. Today we've considered in our first study the background history of Joseph, the covenanted family. In our second study we considered the two prophetic dreams that he had and the profound nature of those dreams. This evening we'll be looking at the rest of the passage after the dreams, verse 12 through to the end, and see in these unfolding verses, we start really to see more clearly how Joseph was very much a foreshadow of Christ, some 1500 years before Christ. We see how he would, as it were, be lowered and humbled, uh, and the reality of of his dreams would so uh, unfold and he would be exalted as Christ was. Now friends, to begin with in verses 12 through 14, we see the good intentions of a father, Israel, and his beloved son, Joseph, and their good intentions that they had towards their brethren, verses 12 through 14. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I'll send, send thee unto them. And he said to him, that is, to his father Jacob, Israel, Here am I. And he said to him, that is, Jacob to, to, to Joseph, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me a word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Well, dear brethren, notice, friends, when, where Joseph's brethren went to to feed their father's flock. It was in Shechem, wasn't it? And we know that Shechem was around 50 miles or so from Hebron, from out of the vale of, of, of Hebron. And that really is a good two days or so trek um, from where they were. And remember that Joseph here is a, a young lad. He's only 17 years old. And so his father's telling him, go, out of love and uh, welfare for your brethren, go. Go after these people who in many ways despise you, who envy you, who hate your dreams. They hated him really because of his godliness. They hated him because um, of his distinguishing grace, which of course that coat of many colours represented, it was symbolic. Uh, and he really, besides his father, was the only true believer in the family. And he was hated because of it. He put a finger on his brethren's sin um, by his life. And he was hated for it. And so his, brother, his, his, his father was saying, go, go after your brethren, go after the the, the sheep of Israel, as it were, the strange sheep of Israel. And what was his response? Here I am. Here I am. We see here this peculiar obedience, like a bit like um, Isaac to Abraham, this peculiar, and it can only be of God, to these hardened men. Some of them were murderers. Uh, go after them, to these men. Go after your brethren, which hates you. And he says, here I am. I'm willing to go, as it were, outside of the veil of the broad, outside of my father's watch, uh, 
several days uh, travel to seek that which is lost, to seek my, my brethren. The willingness here is staggering, isn't it? We know that Jacob, or Israel now, had bought previously the parcel of land, and he done a well there in Shechem. We know that, that that place was incredibly fertile, and it was a, a, a good pasture in that land. Shechem, also remember, is where the family witness was made to stink before the inhabitants there. Remember what Simon, Simon and Levi, they did in the revenge killing of their sister. And, but, the, but in the way they did it, the ungodly way they did it, and the shame that brought. And so Shechem, also remember, was a very dangerous place. And so Israel rightly had a concern for the welfare of, of his brethren, the brethren. And so did Joseph here. But we see here the peculiar obedience of Joseph. It's staggering. And so this was a dangerous place for Joseph's brethren. And Israel knew it. And Joseph's brethren really were risk takers, weren't they? As all rebel sinners are. They're risk takers. They're pushing the boundaries of God. They know in their hearts uh, the truth. Because the scriptures reveal it. Uh, but they were pushing the boundaries, as it were. But nevertheless, Israel and Joseph, father and son, were equally concerned out of love for the welfare of their brethren. The Lord Jesus was sent, wasn't he, by his father to the lost sheep of Israel. The Lord God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so we see so much of a, a type here, a foreshadow of Christ, in the young lad, Joseph, don't we? The obedience of Joseph here is remarkable if we consider the historical context. Go after your straying brethren, those that hate you, those who slander you, those who despise you, those who will not listen to you. Go after them 50 miles outside of your father's watch, outside of the servant's watch. Go to these hardened men. And Joseph goes to Shechem, doesn't he? Here I am. I'm willing. You see here the willingness of a believer's heart here. I'm here. I'm willing uh, to honour my father, to do that which is right. And so Joseph goes to Shechem, which by the way would become a refuge city in Israel later on. And, and they are found out of the way, aren't they? They were supposed to be in Shechem. And this, however, does not deter the young Joseph. He continues to search for them. Maybe they were particularly having a dry season at that time, and so they were going a bit further this time to greener pastures to, to, to feed the flocks, um, hence to the, to the wells. Um, but they were found out out of the way. They were supposed to be in Shechem. And uh, this does not deter Joseph. At all, we see in verses 15 through to 17, and a certain man found him. That's when he arrived at Shechem. And behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seest thou? Verse 16, and he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where, thy, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I have heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren 
and found them in, in Dotha. He goes after them once again, out of love and concern. He's not wanting to cause trouble. He's, he's doing this out of love and concern for their welfare. That Shishim was a dangerous place because of what happened previously. And Dothan, he, he continues to go after them. And, of course, he goes from Shishim to Dothan. You're looking at another 13 to 15 miles. And so in total, this young lad of 17 has travelled 65 or so miles out of love for his brethren and for the honour of his father. Nothing would deter this young Joseph, this what, this 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 believing young man. Of course, in the providence of God, there was this certain man here. And as we know from the parables, don't we, the certain farmer, certain man, and so on, that uh, is often referred to as the Lord God. Um, I'm not going to speculate here, but if that certain man was not there to point Joseph to do that, to overhear that conversation, wow, that would have changed everything, wouldn't it? How, how, dear friends, how we need to embrace those moments in life where God so directs us and guides us, those pivotal moments in life, don't let them go, friends. When God so speaks to us and so directs us in, 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 a, in, a, in a pattern, the way we should go, don't neglect those calls of grace. Um, and what does he do? He goes after, he embraces that moment, he listens, doesn't he? Dothan also was, was very well known for its pastoral its pasture. And even to this day, the name Dothan signifies two wells. And it's been said, it's a very interesting fact. We don't need this because we, of course, believe by faith in the Word of God. We don't need geogra geographical facts. But it's very interesting that over the last two, three hundred years, there have been explorers that have gone to that region. And they have discovered these large underground systems, wells, uh, these big pits, and they were used to preserve water, during, especially during the, the, the dry season. And these large system pits were in the shape of a bottle. So you can imagine that, that a bottleneck is a thin bottleneck and then it would open up to this huge kind of cave almost, this large system. And so if one was to fall into one of these system pits, they would fall through a, a, a narrow bottle and into a large space. So it was impossible to get oneself out of one of these pits because it had rounded sides. You had to have someone help you to get out, especially if it was dry. Now friends, it's also interesting to note that Dothan lies in the mighty providence of God upon the main trade route between Syria and Egypt. <laughs> These are not coincidences, are they? This is all in the providence of Almighty God. And also, explorers, amazingly, have gone to this region a few hundred years ago, or I can't remember the exact date, but they've gone to this region and they have testified that even to that day there were these large caravans of traders with their mules and their donkeys, uh, carrying goods, as it were, into Egypt. And so the stunning accuracy here of the Word of God 
It's amazing, isn't it? We don't need these things, of course, because we've got the Word. We trust in it by faith. But the accuracy of the Word of God is stunning, isn't it? We must not forget either that, at this time, Egypt was the superpower of the world. And many, many poor souls would have been caught up been caught up in the slave trade and have been exploited into the slave trade, to the growing of, of the empire. Now, friends, Joseph sought his brethren out of love for them, but it was certainly not seen that way by his brethren. Like I said, they hated him. They hated even the look of him. They hated him for his coat. When they saw that coat, their blood boiled. They saw that coat was a representative of his distinguishing grace. He was the only believer in the family besides his father at this date, and, and, and Isaac, who was still alive at this time. And the rest of them were rebelling from God, dishonoring their father. And so he was, the hopes of the covenant family like, were upon him. And they hated him for his godliness. They hated him for that symbolic coat that, that symbolized God's promises, God's distinguishing grace upon him as the head of the covenant family. One who would, the, the batter would be passed on to, as it were. And they hated him for his words, his righteous words, his words of truth, his words of care. They hated him for his, his obedience, his godliness. And because he did not, he wasn't a partaker of their sins, he hated them. They hated him, uh, him for these things. But these friends were hardened worldly men at this stage. We must understand that. That these were hardened men, worldly men, in rebellion from their father. We, we look at the rest of Genesis, it says that they, they still had gods. The, the Canaanitish culture had made them worldly. They, they had become drenched within it. And they, were, they had gods, false gods amongst them. And so at this stage, they were hardened worldly men. Some, like I said, were murderers. They were living with a bitterness in their hearts living in envy and lust and sin. And such, dear friends, who were afar off, sought the young, delicate Joseph. He sought them from afar off, as it were. In verses 18 through 23, we read, And when they saw him afar off, that is Joseph's brethren, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Verse 19, and they said one to another, Behold, the streamer cometh. They can't even mention his name. Come now therefore and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say some evil beast hath devoured him. They, they're also lying, wanting to lie. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben, again, he is the eldest of them, cured it. And he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And so one can just imagine the scene here, friends. They see Joseph afar off, as it were. And when they see him from afar off, they start cons conspiring at him. They see that, that coat. They see him coming. And their blood starts boiling within them. They start to conspire 
how to kill him, how to get him out of sight, out of mind. We, I, I don't want to listen to him again. I don't want to be reminded of my responsibility towards God, towards uh, my father again. And so you can imagine it. What is he doing here? We're not in Shishem, we're in Dothan. What? How dare he? We've got to do something about this. He's making us look bad here. The nerve he has. How did he find us? Well, we know how he and how he found them. By God's help. God's providence. And yet they couldn't see it at this stage, could they? They hated him so much that they couldn't even say his name. Behold, this dreamer cometh. They couldn't even say his name. They, they hated him. They hated him for his dreams. They hated him for the prospect of his dreams coming true. That they feared that. They feared him reigning over them and having the preeminence over them. They hated him for his godliness, this distinguishing grace that was upon him. They could not stand even the sight of Joseph. Come now, therefore, they say, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast have devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. Nothing less than Joseph's blood will satisfy them at this stage. They could not bear the thoughts of his dreams coming true. They, the, the first cold-blooded murder with, with malicious intent we see here, and they firstly had this cold-blooded murder in their hearts with malicious intent, and then cold-hearted lies uh, they planned to cover up uh, their crimes to their father. They said some evil beast, as it were, they're already starting to cover up their sin, even before they've done it. And so this was malicious. It just makes it doubly as worse that these things were in their hearts prior to this happening. They were the beasts. They were acting like beasts, weren't they? Proverbs 14.22 says, Do they not err that devise evil, but mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good? Do not they err that devise evil? Let that be a reminder to us, beloved, that if you devise evil, you plan evil in your hearts, and it goes unrepented of in your heart, it's only a matter of time before it's going to manifest itself and work out in your life. That evil, if, you know, if God has shown you something is right, and you keep on rebelling from God, and you devise plans to get God out of your life, get people out of your life, undermine the truth, Dear friends, it's only a matter of time before you become like, like and I've seen it, so many people uh, in their lives. In verse 21 and 22, Reuben tries to calm them down. We see this by suggesting a lesser evil. And take note also, dear brethren, uh, Reuben does better, of course, than his brethren. He shows more light, more compassion than his his brethren by suggesting the lesser of two evils. But he does not do that which is righteous, does he? He does not flat out refuse to evilly to, to, to do this evil to his brother. Let that be a, 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 a let that be a, uh, a lesson to us that it's not, sometimes we think well I'll do the lesser evil. No, no, no. We must do righteously. There must be a full turning of doing evil and a full doing of that which is righteous. No middle ground. They should, we should have said, we're not doing any of this. We're taking him back to our Father. We're doing that which is right. 
So let us, let us be a lesson to us. Let us do that which is righteous and not do the lesser of two evils, as it were. And then, of course, we're told in verses 23 through to uh, 30. Let me just bring that up again. Uh, verses 23 through 30. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colours that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, a pit and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Galilee with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, they are the Ishmaelites, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph unto Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes, and returned unto his brethren, and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? So friends, we see here the, we see here the graphic, we see here the graphic violence here in this account. It, it's shocking, isn't it? We see here Joseph being uh, manhandled. They, they stripped him, didn't they? They stripped that. They got that coat off him. That 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 coat that symbolised God's promises, God's distinguishing grace upon him. They they got it off him straight away. Stripped it and uh, desecrated it, as it were. And then they took him and manhandled him. They would never have done these things if it wasn't the veil of Hebron. They, they did these things outside of their father's side. They took him and manhandled him. And they then, they then cast him into the pit. That pit was empty. And maybe it was them that emptied it with their flocks and with their, with, you know, with, with their need. And now it was empty. Well, let's cast him into this, this pit. Oh, such cruelty. Such, such depravity. Such, such wickedness and sin. Are we shocked when we hear this depravity and the sin, the capacity of, of, of men's heart to treat even one in your own family like this? It's one who showed care and love. We should be shocked, shouldn't we? It reminds me of the parable of the, te- of the, of the tenant farmers where they mistreat servants and they, they, mistreat, they, they mistreat um uh, the son, the heir, and uh, it reminds me of that same parable. But did you know, friends, that Joseph's brethren really here are a picture of what we are like by nature? They're a picture, really, to, to, to a certain degree. We will not have the greater Joseph to reign over us. We do as much as possible to have him out of sight, out of mind. We don't want by nature, we don't want Christ to reign over us. We do as much as possible to get him out of mind and out of sight. And anyone uh, who is that way like-minded, well, we don't want to be around them. 
We don't want to be reminded of, of our sin and of another Saviour. We reject him because of the love of sin. Like Joseph by nature, we hate Christ for his words, his words of truth to us. We hate him because he puts, our finger, he puts his finger upon our sin and, and, and our need of, of him. Through unbelief, we strip the greater Joseph of his promises, of that robe of righteousness. We all do this by our sinful nature. This is us. Now outwardly, you and I may be not hostile to the Christian faith, but inwardly, you could be despising God's word. You may not outwardly be, be hostile to faith. You may even be within a, a Bible-believing church, but inwardly, there is a, a despising of the word of God, a despising of the commandments, a despising of God's ways, and actually of the people who, who are living for the Lord. There's a, there is a, a, a despising of these things. And, friends, salvation is, is, is only genuine when you understand the depravity or depravity. Salvation is only genuine when you, you, you tr truly understand how fallen and how sinful you are. That in, in us lies no good thing. That we're utterly corrupted. Every part of us has been corrupted. We're not totally corrupted, but we are utterly corrupted. We 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 and we, we see ourselves as sinners in great need of the Lord. And do we were they grieved at the wickedness that they committed? Yeah. No, they weren't at all, were they? They sat down to eat bread. And in Genesis 42, 21, we are told that they, and this is later on, we are told that they saw the anguish of, they said they saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. And so there's Joseph in this pit. He can't get out of it. He's been left dead here. It's a, it's a cruel death. And they're sitting down eating bread, as it were. This is hard work. Of stripping him and beating him and throwing him into this pit. And there they are, sat down eating bread. And he's pleading with them. Pleading righteously with them. Don't do this evil in the sight of God. He's pleading with them. They saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. He was beseeching them from the pit. Don't do this evil in the sight of God. And he would not hear. They would not hear him. Joseph was pleading them from the pit. They not only stopped their ears from hearing them, but they also stopped their hearts. They were like the Jews that stopped their ears, but they were stopping the alarm, the, the, the voice of God, their conscience, they were stopping it. And we, we must not hear these pleas, as it were, these righteous pleas, as it were. The greatest Joseph, dear friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, that the foreshadow of, of uh, Joseph was a foreshadow. The greater Joseph pleads with us here today. He pleads with you, with your heart. Are you right with him? Are you, are you rebelling from him? The symbolic coat has been desecrated now. God's, God's promises seemingly seem to be fading. Rebel sinners are at ease. But me thinks that Joseph Remembered after the pleading that a uh, calm repose, I'm speculating here, 
But methinks that after the pleading, that a calm repose came over him, and that he started to remember the covenant promises of what his daddy taught him and what his granddad taught him. The, the things that so inspired him, uh, and, and that when he he was saved as a young lad. And then he starts to remember that God is sovereign. God's covenant promises. What his granddad Isaac, remember who was still around in Hebron, that he inspired him of what happened on Mount Moriah. And he started to remember God's in control here. And he, and he had a felt presence of the Lord with him in that pit, as it were. And lo and behold, we are told in verse 25, a company of Ishmaelites come. Isn't it amazing that somehow, out of nowhere, God can so deliver us through the most unlikeliest of ways sometimes? And lo and behold, this company of Ishmaelites come in verse 25, bearing all manner of precious goods. And it was so ordained of, of the Lord, travelling into Egypt, wasn't it? But the most precious thing that they had, wasn't it, when they, Joseph was sold, was Joseph. That was the most precious of goods that they had. And Judah, in his hypocrisy, suggested selling Joseph as a, as a slave, like Judas Iscariot, and, and profiting from his death in his hypocrisy. And Joseph was sold for 20 pieces of silver. The Lord Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. And both names mean the same thing. You see the stunning accuracy, the prophetic accuracy of the word of God here. They thought the same aim could be accomplished by selling Joseph to their enemies. Get, they could get away with their sin now. They could get him out of the way. No more witness to convict them anymore. No more check upon their sin anymore. Joseph's dreams, they thought, would never come true. Let's get him out of here. He, he, his life is over now, sold to the enemy, which is a, which is a, 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 a capital was a capital offence to do that, to, to, to do that, to sell one's brother, and especially a double capital offence to an enemy. And they did it. They did it because they hated God's promises. That's what it come, came down to, really. They were repelling. They would not have him reign over over them. And what they meant for evil, though, though, my dear beloved, God meant for good. Reuben the eldest, however, would no doubt would have to give an account to his father, being the eldest, and who already, remember, brought shame upon the family with his incest. And so at, at this stage, Reuben, being the, old, the eldest in the family, had already brought his father to shame. No doubt he, he wants to make up to his father, well, we start to see here the first seedlings of regret here within the patriarchs, within Reuben. We start to see the beginnings here of, of a, softening, a softening here, which would come gradually later on. And he's, he, he's, he says, doesn't he, whither shall I go? Whither shall I go? Joseph began the day as a rogue prince, didn't he, in Israel? Um, and he ended up, at the end of the day, as a bruised slave, taken into the darkness of that superpower, that dark superpower, Egypt. He would have been lined up, as it were, and treated 
as a slave, treated as, as cattle in that dusty, dark land. He would have been lined up like an animal, and slave traders would have come and, and touched, his, his, touched his legs to see if he was fit enough, maybe looked at his teeth, as it were, and uh, saw almost like cattle do uh, into, some, into Potiphar's house, as, as it were. But these things are all ordained of God. Amazingly, aren't they? Uh, the sovereignty of God in all these things. But he had to endure all these things, did he not? The remaining verses, verse 31 to the end, show to us the continued cruelty of Joseph's brethren. They, con they, continued, they continued in sin, and they continued in secret contempt for, for God's ways. Let me just read that uh, enclosed to us, uh, verses 31 to the end. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colours, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, captain of the guard. They spoiled that beautiful. They desecrated it. They dipped it in goat's blood. Uh, they did that as an evidence of their sons, uh, of Joseph's death. He wasn't dead, uh, but they did that to show, is this, this is what's become of your, your son, Dad, your favourite son, Dad, look, this is what's become of him now. Uh, you, can, you can imagine, they wouldn't even mention Joseph, this is what's become of thy son, Dad. Look, see the coat, he's dead, Dad. The, the, the sin and the gravity in the, in the heart here. The, see, when sin takes over our lives, friends, it's like a snowball. It just keeps on going. The coat, which was a distinguishing mark of God's grace and promises, they say to their father, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or, or, or no. The cruel, untrue news here friends, to an aging father. Joseph was still alive. There was still time to go after him and to rescue him. And the cruelty here, there was still hope, wasn't there? There was still, there was still they could still repent. They saw the, the breaking of the father's heart here. They saw, they saw what, would, how, what would become of him. They could not even say his name. This is thy, thy son, son's coat. Here's the evidence, Dad. Here's, here's your favourite son. It's coat, Dad. He's dead, Dad. You could, you could just imagine it. This was as to say, where's God's covenant and promises now, Dad? Huh? Where's, what, where, where, where's God's promises now? He was the only believer in the family. They were rebelling from, from God. Where's, God's, where's God now, hey, Dad? That, that we could see here, the attitude here. In their hearts. They wanted, in essence, to distinguish all hope of God's promises. They were being used on the devil, weren't they? 
friends, what a terrible thing it is. When, when even God, when even, um, when even the devil uses those who are nearest and dearest to us, those who are closest in our life, and they're so used, as it were, to take us away from God's promises, to undermine God's promises. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? When God's, when, when the devil so gets into our families and gets into our churches and, and, he, and he, so, he so tries to take us, up, take, take us away from God's promises. It's a terrible thing what the devil does, doesn't it? And no wonder why Jacob in verse 34 rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. This was beyond, this was beyond the normal mourning. It's, it's, we know that at the moment, 10 days to mourn. We're mourning for our queen um, as a nation. But, but Joseph went on. Jacob, Israel went on and on and on. It was almost like the light, the covenant light, the promises of God had been distinguished. They were, they were flagging, as it were. He, he put us all his hope. That's why he loved him so much, because he was, his heart was knit with Joseph, because he was a believer. He loved the Lord. He loved God's promises. He understood the, the, the grand plan. He believed in it. And that's why uh, Jacob was distraught. It was like someone suddenly putting out all hope, as it were. And they all tried to comfort him, didn't they? But the efforts were futile. God's promises in the mind of Jacob were looking bleak, flagging. And we could be like this at times, can't we, brethren? We could be at times like when, when the devil so comes in and he so attacks us in our families and our loved ones and, and from all sides, as it were. And things can look bleak. You know, even... Even the name of Jacob here is referred to Jacob again. Did you notice that? It's not referred to Israel here. It almost goes back to Jacob. Uh, almost, almost the scriptures also tell us that, that something's happened here to, 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 to Jacob. It's not referring him to Israel again. It's referring him to Jacob. It's almost like that, 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 took, that was a, a huge hit to his faith as a He's not without faith, but it was a huge dent, as it were. Jacob says in verse 35, I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. This is going to be the death of me. This only, my only son was a true believer, holding forth, uh, as it were, the future of, of the covenant family by faith, God's promises. And all my, my sons, all my family is rebelling from God, but this one son was following the Lord by faith. It, it was a huge blow, wasn't it? It would seem all was lost. In verse 36, the Midianites sold Joseph into Egypt, unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and captain of the guard. Friends, like Joseph, there can be times in our lives where all seems lost. There can, the dark clouds of our circumstance can so block our vision sometimes, our spiritual sight. And I think this is what was happening with, uh, with Jacob, with Israel. The, the dark clouds of circumstances can sometimes block our vision. 
We could be so consumed with, with these things. And Joseph would be separated from his father for more than 20 years. 20 years. What a trial of faith. What a trial of faith. Yet God in his sovereignty was at work. God is at work in all of this, behind the scenes, amazingly, working out all things for good. True conversion, dear friends, brings us low. It's true. True conversion brings us low and brings us up again, as it were. It brings us low in the world's eyes, and it brings us up again in Christ. And, it, and there is often this pattern in the believer's life, as we see with Joseph. Joseph is despised, ill-treated, slaughtered, and abused, yet never, never hear a word of complaint at all from him at all. All that we may be more like Joseph and the greater Joseph, Christ. All that we may learn to walk by faith and not by sight. But we, we, don't, we, we see, don't we, amidst all his trials, he was aware of the presence of God. He knew that God was with him. He knew that God was sovereign in all these trials and battles of life. And he humbly submitted to God's sovereignty. And friends, this is what we need to do. We need to humbly submit amidst all these difficulties and trials of faith. We must learn from these things to be humble and wise and forgiving and patient and more Christ-like, depend more upon the Lord, die to self daily. In God's providence, all Joseph's sufferings in time would, would come to good. All things work together for good to those who are called of God, who love God. Joseph shows the suffering saving 1,500 or so years before his coming. The covenant family would all in due time be humbled, all of them. They weren't yet, no, they, like I said, they weren't converted. The brethren weren't converted, but Joseph but, and Jacob. But all of them would in due time be humbled. And they would all also be converted. They would be delivered. And they would be delivered from Canaan, which had become very worldly. It had become very idolatrous. And the culture was being drenched within them in the land of Canaan. They were getting absorbed within the Canaanitish culture. And faith was, was daily being compromised. And they were putting their strength in outward vanities, outward hopes, outward strength, instead of faith. And that, that's a problem with us in our culture nowadays, isn't it? God and His providence was separating them. He would, bring, he would bring them low, the covenant family low, and he would separate them for a time from Canaan into that area in Egypt. And in due time they would all be humbled and they would all come to see their wickedness and, and they would all be brought to repentance and be truly converted. God is doing this, friends. God ordained the pits. God ordained that certain man there. God is sovereign. God is in control. God uh, and, um, uh, allowed Joseph to be sold as a, as a slave. God allowed all these things to happen. Just remember, dear beloved of the Lord, when things get over your head, just remember that you're under his feet and you're under his grace. Just, just remember that God is sovereign. Uh, that. That, that he is always there, 
that nothing goes amiss, as it were. You can take everything to Him. Amen. Thank you.